coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. But my first job was washing dishes, frying chicken, making fried green tomatoes, which isn't so different from what I'm doing now. It's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) I was 15 and the same thing now. I'm like, that's interesting. Perfect timing. I I, um, put my notice in and signed the lease to this space on March 1st. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) So truth be told. You opened a new place during a pandemic and you opened it early. None of that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is executive chef Rob Reinsmith. Rob used to be with Noble Crust and now he has his own restaurant, Wild Child. At the top of the show, Kevin and I will discuss a new food show we watch, plus interesting food news and facts. We We have have a a great great show, show, so stick stick around. around. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Hey foodies, do you know about the Zest podcast? If you're listening to us, you should be listening to them too. They're part of the Tampa NPR station WUSF 89.7. On the Zest, you'll learn new recipes, baking tips, and barbecue secrets. You'll hear about what's ripe, what's growing, and what's in season. The Zest Podcast is hosted by Robin Sussingham, an award-winning reporter and producer who's also an avid home cook and baker. Robin's a native Floridian and has been searching out flavors and the fascinating stories behind them from Key West to Pensacola. Learning to care for a sourdough starter and learning to bake sourdough breads really speaks to people in a very deep way. It's part of our collective history and we're getting back to our roots and our self-sufficiency. Just like us, the Zest podcast has interviews with chefs and restaurateurs and talks about food and recipes covering the Tampa Bay area and throughout Florida. It's what we listen to when we're not doing our own show. 
check out The Zest Podcast at thezestpodcast.com. So every once in a while on the show, we have a conversation about a topic or a few topics, and this is the show that we're doing that on this month. So four weeks ago, we also had a conversation and we talked about different cooking shows and competitions we watch in our observations. And now we're watching a new show. So I just want to talk about one show this time. The title of the show is Man versus Master, Chef Battle. And Richard Blaze is the host. He is a successful chef and restaurateur, and he won both Top Chef and Top Chef All-Stars. That's where we know him from because we watch those shows. In Man versus Master, you have unknown chefs that are already working in the business to compete for an opportunity to win an apprenticeship, or they call it a stage in yes, culinary, a stage. spelled like stage, mm-hmm. S-T-A-G-E, with a world-renowned celebrity chef. But in order to win, they have to actually beat the master in a face-off first. And the way they do that prior to that, there are three, uh, I guess, unknown chefs, there are three chefs, better, yeah. For lack of a better term, unknown And they chefs. compete against each other at first. Right. And the, the master chef, celebrity chef, is the judge. So then one loses, mm-hmm. two stay. Then the second round, the l- remaining one who wins the second round, then goes up against the master chef. And I love how they do it. It's so cool. They have a world-renowned food critic do the judging with a blind tasting Mm-hmm. But before that happens, they introduce the critic, he or she comes out, and the critic chooses what the... Uh, ingredient, main ingredient. In, yeah, they choose like an ingredient, yeah, mm-hmm. based on some something that they like. Right. To see who can do the best job with that ingredient. Right. And then they go away, they don't see who makes what, then they come back and they pick the winner. And sometimes, but not often, mm-hmm. the contestant wins. And to me... We've I mean, actually only seen that... The contestant win a few times, a handful of I think, times. I, think over, it was only, I thought it was only twice. Over like nine or ten episodes, I think, so yeah. far we've watched. So, well, one thing to me is it says it's not fake. Right, right. Yeah. But th- sometimes, though, they do a typical reality show, competition show thing is they try to fool you. And there were at least two times, maybe three, that the critic is giving his or her comments. And, and they're sounding like this like dish A is better and then they pick B. Right. And it's right. the master. Like yeah, they, criti- we were, they criticize that one more, but then they still pick it. Yeah, we were both pretty stunned on that. A few of them. Yeah. So, and then some of the um, culinary masters that have been on are Art Smith, Elizabeth Faulkner, Jonathan Waxman, Ming Tsai, and Rick Bayless. Yes. Yeah. But they're always really cool though about it. Like they have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's mean like a lot of the other competition or reality shows. Right. And there was one time, I can't remember her name, darn it. Uh, she's an Italian chef. She was also on one of the competition shows where she won and now she's very successful, renowned. Oh, Antonia. Yeah, Antonia. She won, but she said, well, you didn't win the stage, but you got a job. Yeah, right. And she the guy actually it. lives near her restaurant and he didn't tell her on the show. Yeah. Behind the scenes, he was saying this was with his girlfriend. That was his first date was at her restaurant. Right, so right. That, that's no, pretty she cool. Won, she won Top Chef a while ago and she's now a re- renowned restaurateur. Right. So that's all I have to say about that mm-hmm. as far as Gump would say. And so you like to watch Channel 10 News in the morning. I do. With uh, Caitlin Lockerbie. And she posted this on Facebook today, a link to the story on people.com. 
Mm-hmm. Cinnamon Coke is back on shelves after a month's long hiatus. I've never even heard of Cinnamon Coke. Who cares? Yeah, and you just made a face like, ew. <laughs> I did, yuck. I, don't, <laughs> yeah, I can't was... imagine putting cinnamon with Coke. Ew, gross. But I don't know, maybe with a rum and Coke. Yeah, no. <laughs> so their slogan is, cinnamon spiced and everything nice. And they also have, this is limited time stuff. This is seasonal limited time stuff, I guess, for the holiday seasons. I figure this is on theme with some of the things we have. They also have cherry vanilla and orange vanilla. I'm surprised they don't have pumpkin. Yeah, I know. I guess that's the spice. Cinnamon, cinnamon spice. Yeah. I oh. guess. Oh, whatever. So, I don't like pumpkin either. Yeah. So moving right along. <laughs> from the New York Times, we have one man's plea to his city council. Rename boneless wings. Yes, I know. I've already heard about this a long time ago. Yeah. You're peeking over my shoulder too on that one. So he says, this is a quote, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually comes from the wing of a chicken. He told the Lincoln, Nebraska City Council. So that's where this is coming from. Right. Uh, but they recorded on video and it, it's posted publicly. And like the next day it went crazy yeah, on social media. Yeah, it did. Media. It went viral. I saw it on Channel 10 News ah, the first there time. There you go. So he says, we've been living a lie for far too long. People start laughing at him and stuff. But after a while, they just listen to him. He's a 27-year-old guy. And here's some quotes. We have been casually ignoring a problem that has gotten so out of control that our children are throwing around names and words without even understanding their true meaning. It sounds like somebody else I know. Treating things as though they're normal. <laughs> but the world was not normal. I go into a nice family restaurant and I see people throwing this name around and pretending as though everything is just fine. I'm talking about boneless chicken wings. And I already said this, but further, nothing about boneless chicken wings actually comes from the wing of a chicken. We would be disgusted if a, if a butcher was mislabeling their cuts of meat, but then we go around pretending as though the breast of a chicken is its wing. He's got a good point anyway. He does, but they do that in vegetarian cooking all the time. And yeah, vegan. I know. I've, I, I, I want to pick on it, but... Cauliflower get, rice is not rice. Yeah, right. <laughs> so he went further. Boneless chicken wings are just chicken tenders, which are already boneless. I don't go to order boneless tacos. I don't go and order boneless club sandwiches, he said. It's just what's expected. Right. And he said that mislabeling the chicken product was a full-blown societal woe. Our children are raised being afraid of having bones attached to their meat, he said. That's where meat comes from. It grows on bones. We need to teach them that the wing of a chicken from, is from a chicken and it's delicious. The wing of chicken. Okay. All right. So rename the dish. Call them buffalo-style chicken tenders. Some places do that. Mm-hmm. They do. We can they're really more like nuggets, and they're 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 yeah. not as big as a chicken tender. Yeah, he said. He also suggested. I know this because my son loves boneless wings. Yeah, which he, I've known forever weren't boneless wings. He also suggested names like wet tenders, saucy nugs, saucy nugs. And That's it, the one they liked on Channel Ten. And his last suggestion is trash. Oh God! That. <laughs> oh jeez! And, and then it's funny. He ends like this. We can take these steps and show the country that that's where we stand and that we understand that we've been living a lie for far too long and we know it because we feel it in our bones. Oh, jeez. So are we going to call Impossible and Beyond Burgers? They're not burgers. Yeah. Yeah, don't even get me started on that. That's yeah, a, I know. That's another whole conversation. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things you could take this to. So I have two more. Wow. This one's from the Wall Street Journal. The title is, You Call This Bread? Subways is too sugary to count, Irish court finds. Oh, right, because Ireland refused it. Yeah, so there's a court tax fight going on in Ireland with Subway. 
to be considered bread under the value added tax, which dates back to 1972, sugar can make up no more than 2% of the weight of the flour used to make dough for bread. Mm-hmm. Bread that meets the definition, that meets that definition isn't taxed. So they don't want to pay tax on their bread, but the Irish court says you have to pay tax because it's technically not bread based on our definition because it has 10% sugar instead wow. of 2%. Yeah. Wow. And How did Jared lose all that weight eating all those subs then? Yeah. That's a little suspicious. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I don't think the bread's that great either. I mean, it's it's baked, it's supposedly baked, it's, I see it baked in-house. Yeah, it's, it's baked, not that great. But it's, no, yeah, I know. It used to be really good when I was in college, but that's probably because I didn't know any better. Right, exactly. So the last thing is kind of cool. So after this, we have um, Rob Rinesmith from Wild Child coming up. Yes. And um, here, spoiler alert, we already recorded with Rob the other day. So... I didn't get to bring this up. I had it in my notes, but it didn't really fit. The conversation kind of moved on. Mm-hmm. And I was asking him on their menu, they have a tomato and peach salad. Mm-hmm. And as I'm looking at the menu, I'm thinking, hmm, Bon Appetit just came out two issues ago, September issue, saying how it's the end of tomato season and here's all the things you do with the tomatoes you have left and blah, blah, blah. And we even based something on that for our recipe back in September. Come to find out, Maybe it's the end of tomato season for New Yorkers. It's not for Florida. Right. So now peaches are different. So the typical harvest season for Florida peaches goes from mid-March through mid-May. Right. And But Georgia's the peach state. Right, of course. But check this out. I never knew this. Florida is the nation's largest producer of fresh tomatoes. Really? Yeah. And I always thought it was oranges, but no, California beats us big time in oranges. Yeah, we've lost many we, of our orange groves are not yeah, here anymore. Yeah. So, and it says, with almost every southern county in the state cultivating tomatoes, Florida produces virtually all the fresh market field-grown tomatoes in the U.S. from October through June each year. Huh. So there, take that other tomato. But that's just places. from October through June. Right. The rest of the time, there's tomatoes coming from elsewhere. So, I have to tell you, the best heirloom tomatoes I've ever had were in California. Okay. Where was that? In Napa. Oh, right. Okay. Alrighty. We will be right back with Executive Chef Rob Reinsmith. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, Open Daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. 
That's R-O-L-L-I-N-Oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. Please welcome executive chef and co-owner of the new Wild Child restaurant, Rob Reinsmith. Welcome, Rob. Hi, how are you guys? We're doing good. Doing great, chef. So you were actually on live in studio last time, pre-COVID, on episode 73, which was in January of this year, 2020. And you were back then still with Noble Crust. And you were the founding chef there. And they won two St. Pete Foodies Awards right around COVID time. Mm-hmm. And we made sure that you got you got credit for that. Oh, thank you. And some of the things we learned from from you the first time you were on is that uh, you're, you're local. You grew up in the Palm Harbor area. And you started in the business when you were a teenager. You've always liked to cook. It was funny last time when you said... But my first job was washing dishes, frying chicken, making fried green tomatoes, which isn't so different from what I'm doing now. It's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I was 15 and the same thing now. I'm like, that's huh, interesting. That was very true back then. It was kind of cool. When you were a senior in high school, you got to do like half a day at high school and then half a day at a vocational culinary school. Yep. But then after high school, you didn't go right into culinary right right away. But you did eventually wind up working at Bonefish Grill. And now you tell the rest. Correct. Yeah. So it was, uh, for whatever reason, when I was was trying to go to culinary school right after high school, because I was into it at a really, very early age. You know, I was like 15 or 16, um, and I wanted to further my education. But for some reason, uh, student loans just didn't kind of like work out at the time. Um, so when I graduated, I was like, all right, well, I guess, you know, I'll just find the next, the best thing and just work in a restaurant. I went to a couple of restaurants at the time, some fine dining restaurants like in Palm Harbor, Dunedin, you know, very long time ago, 20 years ago or something. Right. Trying to get my foot in the door in the kitchen there, but it didn't really work out. Um, and at the time, you know, it was nothing like the scene is now in like St. Pete, Tampa, or like the greater area with like amazing restaurants. You don't have to go to bigger cities anymore as a young cook. You can learn right here. Right. But then there was nothing like that. So I went to some little, there's like a cooking store in countryside that sold like, you know, chef knives and chili pepper chef pants and cookbooks and spices and stuff like that. <laughs> and, uh, and I asked the owner, I was like, you know, I really want to work at a good place. Like, where he's like, well, you should go to Bonefish. It's like right across the street. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was 18 at the time. I went over there, um, filled an application, talked to TJ. Um, he hired me as a saute cook. And I loved it. I ended up staying there for like four to almost five years. I worked at that store in Safety Harbor. And then... Um, Another year when I finally did go to culinary school in Orlando, um, I transferred to the store out there. Awesome. Cool. And TJ yeah. is, he's one of the founders of both Bonefish and Noble Crust. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you also spent uh, a, a short little eight years in New York City too. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> after, when I, was, when I was living in Orlando, going to culinary school, working at Bonefish, um, I, I, I still knew I wanted more and uh, I already had a friend that was living in, in New York and he kind of set me up with like my externship at a restaurant and a, a place to stay. And I was just only going to go up there for the summer as an externship. And then, you know, when you're 22, 23 years old in New York city, you, you come in from Florida. It's like, why would you ever want to go back? You know? So right, <laughs> especially if you're in culinary. 
yeah, I ended up staying there for about eight years. And within the eight years, you know, I met my wife, which is amazing. Um, and also I met kind of like reconnected with TJ via the restaurant I was working at. Uh, the other, his other partner, I know across Tim Kersey, who is a founder of Bonefish, his daughter did her externship at the same restaurant group that I was working at. And the restaurants were next door. So we kind of like reconnected and we we're talking and her dad would come up to the city to visit her and come in the restaurant. And we just, you know, we just hit it off and kind of like talked and connected. And he's like, hey, next time you're in Florida, you know, give me a ring. And I want to talk to you about this restaurant day I'm doing. And we, next time I was down, sure enough, hit him up and we talked. And then uh, we made the decision to move to move to Florida like six months later. To move, yeah. move forward with Noble Crust, correct? Yep, to do, to do Noble Crust, yeah. So yes. I, I have a question. What's the yeah. difference between an internship and an externship? I I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to it. I'm like, what's the difference? To me, to yeah, me, it well, sounds like an, an, extern, I don't know. To me, it sounds like an internship is you're going to stay after your training. Yeah, you're stay, extern. yeah, I think if you're an intern, you end up getting a job at the place that you're at. An externship ah. is you're just there for a brief period of time. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, to learn, yeah. and then they kick you out of the nest. Yeah, and you can in in like my, um, but if you're you know have any you know self value if you're any good as a cook like of course the place you do your externship at is going to want you to stay you know right 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 of course it it usually turns into that anyways and it's crazy that it ended up being such a small world in new york city that you ended up reconnecting with tj that way how wild wow it was definitely one of the things that it was like a click so like i said earlier we last talked to you on the podcast in january of this year now we're in october Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we were very surprised to find you had left Noble Crust. That yeah. was when in perfect timing. I, I um, put my notice in and signed the lease to this space on March 1st. Oh, oh my wow. God. Truth, so, truth <laughs> be told, during that, when I re- first recorded with you guys during that podcast, I was like way already on my way out. Like, I was already, uh, we were already looking at this uh, spot. We were looking at this space. I was kind of, I was definitely, um, very much going on to the next thing, but it's like, yeah, you know, as a professional, you, you, you continue to go on and you right. know, everything's good. But yeah, at that point I was like already one foot Put, puts the out the door. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah you yeah. already, you already had the idea. Once you get the idea, it, you know, you can't just do it instantaneously. It takes you a little while for things. Yeah, to develop. Yeah, I mean, the idea was there for a couple of years and not like in a crazy negative way or anything. It was just, that's just like the next step of, yeah. You know what I mean? In anyone in life, like you're like, all right, now it's time to venture off and do like my real, my real own thing. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That's cool. We're really happy for you. No, thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. So Rob, we're going to take a quick break and pay some bills. And then after this word <laughs> from our sponsors, we're going to get into Wild Child. All right. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah. I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm-hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. 
when we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number no. 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. And they also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number no. 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number no. 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Engine, engine nine. Can you get me back on time? We are back! We are back! We are back with executive chef Rob Reinsmith, formerly of Noble Crust, currently with his own place, along with uh, co-owner uh, Matt Kay, who's your partner. He's he's the owner of the Benz. Yep. And the new place is Wild Child in the Grand Central District. It's on Central Avenue at on the 2700 block. And you opened a new place during a pandemic, and you opened it early. <laughs> None of that makes sense. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, you you... you Initially, it was slated for mid-September, and you opened mid-August. Well, you probably didn't have to do too much since Numex was formerly there, right? Yeah, well, it was, um, yeah, like the bones and the structure of the space mm-hmm. was like already here. But right. what we didn't want to do is you, someone could have easily come in here and opened up immediately. We were like, we don't want to, we don't want to do that. We wanted to have our own identity, so like we want to take some time, do some design, make it look completely different aesthetically like inside and also outside mm-hmm. and then meanwhile a little you know the pandemic hit so <laughs> that first month after that we me and matt took a step back and we're like we didn't even honestly there's we didn't know what we we're gonna do because no one knew what they're gonna do right like we, we can't just keep moving forward right now without any clear idea of how you know the world is gonna operate now whether it's you know from restaurants to just everyday life so we, we sat on the space for like a month and just kind of just talked and like figured out, you know, what we're going to do. And we had a bunch of different variations of like how we're going to open. Like at one point, we're just going to do like some crazy ghost kitchen idea or we're just going to do takeout from the window and never see it inside. And it's like, but then it just didn't make sense and it wasn't us. So finally, we were like, all right, we're just going to stick to the original plan, make it slightly more approachable, but just, you know, put our heart and soul into it and just make it the best restaurant we can and just, and just go for it. You know, instead of trying to, we, we adapted to what was going on, but we didn't completely change right. the entire concept of what we wanted. And just aside from, you know, any changes because of pandemic, were there anything, did things evolve any, like when you had your initial idea, 
to the time that you were closer to opening, did you did everything stay exactly the way you originally thought of it, or did things kind of evolve in different ways? Well, from the original idea, I, yeah, I think the end result actually was like really our, our original idea. The only thing missing is um, we're in a house. We have this really nice patio adjacent to the building, which we just, at the time, we're like, all right, let's just put picnic tables out there and put some plants out there and make it look nice. So that way people can like eat outside and there's space in between tables. We originally were going to have an outside bar. It's going to be a little more closed in. And there are going to be like some banquets and like a nice little like lounge zone in there and also like a small stage for like live music and DJs. But that we're like, all right, that's doesn't even make sense right now. It's completely right. Or something like that. So we just opened right. up with the outside being like very casual picnic tables. Um, but we are going to move forward with like the outside bar and do it in small phases. So by, you know, mid fall, we'll have that complete. Cool. And I have a question. Yeah. Where'd you get the name? So <laughs> honestly, like we, we, that was that one of the hardest parts of, of opening the restaurant is like coming up with a name. We had so many different ideas for names and we're mm-hmm. just going back and forth and back and forth. And I don't even, I think I just remember like hearing the phrase around that time, like wild child. Like, and I have two, two boys that are <laughs> wild child of themselves. Like it's <laughs> it'd be, the easier answer is to say we named it after my kids and, and Matt's daughter. But um, mm-hmm. it's, we just, I just heard the phrase and I kind of came, I, I liked it and kind of held on to it. And we're like thinking about, me and Matt is like we were younger and like we both come from like the skater like punk rock community and like we were a little bit of the wild child and it just the name just kind of sat there for a little bit as we're talking about other ideas and that's the one that stuck cool cool yeah we were we were talking uh to another restaurateur about you know naming a restaurant and you know they come up with different ideas and then and we'd say oh we liked that one why don't you go with that and then the answer was after living with it for a week we hated yeah, it. Right. Yeah. But but I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, hey, we think Wild Child just sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it was part of that too. And it was so funny is that I was surprised the name wasn't there. Because if you any almost any name for like a restaurant, unless it's like very, very specific, has already been done at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, somewhere in this country or somewhere else. In Wild Child, there really wasn't. There was like some like wild child tavern or in something like maybe like in Michigan or something, but <laughs> the exact same time that we opened two more restaurants named wild child up and one in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you have the other one was, wow. maybe like in, I think in LA, like oh, the exact so same time. So that's wow. crazy. Yeah, like when you name, like how there's like popular baby names at certain points of times and years, you know what I mean? Maybe that's <laughs> a popular name. I don't know. It's a pandemic name. Too many people, Uh, parents cooped up with their children, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Definitely experienced that. (laughs) Yes. So Rob, how would you describe the uh, concept of the restaurant? So it's really, we wanted just like a a really awesome neighborhood restaurant. You know, we're not like so cuisine specific where it's like, oh, it's a modern Italian or it's Asian street food. It's like, we're just uh, an eclectic bistro, um, but with coastal influences and like an emphasis on seasonality and like light, fresh and bright flavors from the cocktail program to the food menu. So nice. it's a lengthy description, but that's why I just say, yeah, we're just like a, a really nice neighborhood bistro and cocktail bar. Cool. Yeah. You have some creative cocktails as well. And I learned some new things w- while going over your menu. Brick chicken. Yeah. You know why it's called that, Lori? 
I have no idea. Because it's cooked with a brick on top of it. Oh. Huh. So you, you could put your iPhone on top of it when I was cooking and call it iPhone chicken. Oh, jeez. That was bad, honey. That's our fall menu, the iPhone. The iPhone and the iPhone chicken. <laughs> iPhone chicken, yeah. So what's, what's the concept? Is it just so, to hold it down and press on it? Yeah, I mean, that's I definitely did not invent that technique. It's been around forever. Um, basically, you want to make it – it's just to create an even surface area. Ah, uh, okay. So we we debone the entire chicken. We leave like a little drumette and the wing in it, but it's a half a chicken completely deboned, cool. and you put it down skin side on the flat top, or you could do like in a pan at home with olive oil, and you just let it hang out on that skin side for the majority of its cooking time. But it it just comes out so juicy and like crispy on the skin, it, it's perfect. So you render all cooking high. it like low, yeah. medium, low. Yeah, like kind of oh, like kind of medium to medium high heat. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Another thing I learned is I, the tomato and peach salad, mm-hmm. salad caught my eye, and that has burrata. Check this out: almond mint pesto. That's definitely a chef thing. Because what do you do? You think okay, pesto. It has some nuts in it. It has some green leaves. Let's change those two things to a different green leaf and mm-hmm. different nut. Uh, pickled cherries. Who thinks to pickle cherries? That's so right. cool too. Right. <laughs> Chives, crunchy, crunchy sourdough croutons, yum. Yeah. So my question is on that one. So you're doing seasonal. Will this change uh, with the season as far as availability of tomatoes or peaches? Yep. So we're doing a whole new menu um, in about another week. <laughs> That's what by the time this comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it'll be, it'll be, yeah. So now. But yeah, that, that one's going away. But like pesto, the back going back to pesto. Pesto is a method. Pesto is not... A specific recipe so you can oh, cool. kind of you know i mean you can do you can go in different variations with it but yeah we're gonna go to like a more of like a fall salad i, I really want to have like awesome like vegetable dishes here whether they're like for me the best vegetable dishes are like some like roasted or like really mm-hmm. cooked veggies that are served like cold but marinated and like lots of olive oil and lots of like acid going on and citrus nice. and, and different mm-hmm. textures as well too so I want to do like a, a roasted delicata squash salad where it's delicata squash that's nice. in like an ancho chili in maple glaze, uh, roasted really nicely, and then marinated in olive oil, sherry vinegar, and then served with hazelnuts and uh, pickled pears and burrata. And maybe wow. some of those crunchy croutons, the sourdough croutons are amazing. So we basically just doused them in olive oil and oh, cook I it bet. really slow. So we're like slowly frying in olive oil. Um, so maybe that dish will get like a uh, like a rye bread crouton. So you kind of get like that that warm caraway flavor to go with it. Wow. Nice. That sounds great. Yeah. Do you know what – do you have a specific date yet for the new menu? No specific date, but I definitely mid-October. Like we need we're, – we're – Okay. Yeah. That's when this we'll, comes we'll out. So. Mid-October. Okay. Perfect. Cool. Yeah, we're recording a little bit ahead so we can take a little vacay in November. Yeah. So – Let's see. Also, the it seems like the jerk octopus is getting a lot of action. Um, yeah. I see a lot of people posting that on yep. Instagram. That dish is really good. We're gonna so some of the things here, kind of like the tomato and peach, even though the delicata squash is way different, but some of the dishes will have like the platform, but the garnishes are gonna change. Right, because, right. Like the jerk octopus will have that prep and the cook on the octopus will always stay the same, but with this menu change too, we're gonna do more uh, it's right now it's it's very uh 
kind of summery. It's got like lots of right. like dried herbs in a Meyer lemon jam. I think for the fall, we're going to do like a charred scallion crema on top and then like a nice salad of fennel, ruby red grapefruit and Ooh. a bunch of herbs and mix as well too to go on top. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That like sounds awesome. Peppers, yeah. It does sound awesome. Yeah. We want like all the dishes here to kind of like be reminiscent of going on a vacation somewhere slightly like tropical, you know, it's like when we came up with the idea for the restaurant, we were just thinking of where we like to go on days off or like we like to go on vacation. And it's always based around somewhat like beach towns or whether it's like in Tulum or like Costa Rica and like that mm-hmm. style of just relaxation, like awesome hospital service, but just having like a beautifully fried fish with right. just lime wedges to me is like, that's, you know I mean? To me, that's like perfect. That is perfect. Yeah, and yeah. I, that is definitely the vibe of the place. Just even just looking at photos of of the the look and feel of the place, and even the look and feel of the food and drinks, definitely you definitely achieve that. Yes, so those chorizo stuffed dates they sound amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another one of those things. Like I I can't take credit for inventing that, but <laughs> we put our we put our own little you know our style on it where take the dates wrap you know stuff with a ton of chorizo wrap it in bacon. And as we slowly cook it, me cherry vinegar is like, and everything. We, there's a couple like staples here at Wild Child, like yuzu juice, sherry vinegar, goes in everything. Like there's that's just pretty much a given. Cool. Um, nice. Yeah, we glaze it in sherry vinegar, serve it like a nice piquillo pepper sauce, scallions, and uh, some bread to like dip into the fat and all that leaks out and all the piquillo sauce. But nice. Now is the grilled is the grilled corn on the cob like a street corn? Yeah, so that one's that one's going away as well too. It's obviously oh darn! I love that. Like, um, no, it's all good. It's, it's it's a really really tasty dish, and it's like a spin on like you know I looked at a Mexican street corn, but we do it with more like Asian flavors. So it's got, but also has cotilla cheese with Mexican too. So it's a spicy miso aioli, uh, lime zest and lime juice, scallions, cilantro, sesame seeds. And uh, cotilla cheese, so it's it's got all the same flavor profile as that, but like slightly different. Very nice. Wow. So I'm assuming your cheeseburger is going to stay on the menu. Bur- yeah, burger's not going away. And it's- I had a question on your veggie burger. Is it? Yes. Do you make your own veggie burger? Yeah. So we we wanted to, like I said, I we really wanted to have an awesome menu with really good vegetable dishes, and also like some vegan things too, and have the veggie burger. And everyone's doing. The Impossible Burger, Beyond right. Burger, and we're, our, we're like, we can do that. We can, I can call Cisco, whoever, and order those things in pre-pattied and put them on a cast iron skillet and make a burger out of it, which is fine. But we want to be a little bit different and like create our own. And this, I'm telling you right now, that this burger has been the Achilles heel of like my R&D in this restaurant. It's like, it's the <laughs> most complicated thing to nail for whatever reason. Veggie <laughs> burgers, texturally, flavor-wise, really good. Textually, it's so hard to mimic, you know, actual animal protein and fat. How are you making it? So we use chickpea, quinoa, shiitake mushrooms, lots of onion, celery, carrot, uh, fennel, cumin, and coriander seasoning. And to bind it, this was the hardest part. Is like coming up with a binder that makes it. So the quinoa and like the chickpea, the way we... You can't put it in the food processor and puree. You have to like mash it with your hands so it has that slightly coarse texture. Um, mm-hmm. The binder was the big thing. So right now we're using like a flaxseed, quote unquote, flaxseed egg. So you take ah. uh, mm. flaxseed powder and water, 
and mix it together, bind it with that. Then we make a potato starch slurry. And then just for a little extra glue, I use uh, xanthan gum to hold everything together. Right. right. Yep. That's what I was thinking. I, I was going to guess that. Yeah, yeah. I wondered about that. Haley, you know, did a write-up on Wild Child and, and I messaged the page, but no one got back to me to tell me about the veggie burger because you're right. Everyone does the impossible or the beyond. And I was really hoping yours was different. So I'm glad to hear that. Even yeah. though it's your Achilles heel. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the and the photo of it looks fantastic. It yeah. Does. And we, we should mention just uh, again, so nobody misses it there. We do have a review of Wild Child on stpetersburgfoodies.com. And we are glad that you are doing your own veggie burger. We actually, from our interview two weeks ago with Ward Smith, he's on a plant-based diet and we were talking about this with him. We're not fans of the Beyond or Impossible Burger and we'll probably get some hate mail because of that. Mm-hmm. But- but Neither was Ward. Ward said it's just Ward yeah. said it's plant based because it comes out of a processing plant. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is crazy that you look at the ingredient list and you're like, I can't even pronounce what these words all are. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why we're really not big fans. But I yeah. have to tell you, on your sandwich list, the Korean fried chicken sandwich is right up my alley, and I cannot wait to try that. That's the yeah, other one that people are going so nuts. Many of those things. So many chicken sandwiches. They're staying on the menu, I assume, too. Yeah, that'll never go away. Okay, good. Cool. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good answer. Yeah. That's staying. Good answer. So Wild Child on Instagram, look for Wild Child St. Pete. And it seems like Instagram's getting more updates right now than faith than the Facebook page, but the Facebook page, look for Wild Child Restaurant and Cocktail Bar to find that page. Yes. And you guys are closed on Monday and Tuesday, and then you're open for dinner the rest of the week. We're closed on Sundays as well. So currently we're only open on Facebook. Yeah, Wednesday through Saturday. Um, Wednesday and Thursday is 5 to 9, and Friday and Saturday is 5 to 10. But very soon, sometime in October, we will be opening up for Saturday and Sunday brunch. Nice. Cool. Yep. Awesome. And we're not going to do dinner service on Sunday night. We're just going to do brunch. Do, we want to just really do a, a great brunch and make it like really fun, delicious food, a nice, like, cool daytime party atmosphere, and shut it down at 4 o'clock and then jump back into it on Wednesday. Awesome. Nice. We'll have to keep our eyes out for that so we can uh, post it on Facebook and let everybody know. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. You're welcome. Chef Rob Reinsmith, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It's been fun. This is Chris Walker. And you're listening to New on the website, we have a review of the new fall menu items at Noble Crust. Some of those items are southern potato soup, crispy Brussels sprouts, and there's a fried crispy shrimp and calamari that is gluten-free because it's rice-battered. There's also okra in there that's the best I've ever had, and the trick is that they split them longwise. And there are a few more items on the fall menu at Noble Crust, which you can see on stpetersburgfoodies.com. And while you're there, we also have a new review of Chrislip Cafe. They are a new pastry and coffee shop on the 600 block, and they're located inside the Chrislip Arcade and the Merchant Gift Shop. Next week on the show, we'll be talking to Lindsay and Brian Rossiger from the Lost Coast Oyster Company. If you'd like to send us fan mail, hate mail, or if you have any requests for interviews or restaurant reviews, just send an email to info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. 
That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Rob Reinsmith. And thanks to our sponsors. Rollin' Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And Engine Engine Number number 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. What the heck is that? Cooper's broccoli on pizza. That's it. I'm done.